Welcome to It Sees You When You're Sleeping, a horror holiday audio drama in six parts. This is part one. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of It Sees You When You're Sleeping. This is the second part of a trilogy of holiday audio dramas. You can find the first, St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, at stnickandthebigfup.com and all the places you usually find podcasts. You can support this audio play in a few ways. You can make a donation through the virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. You can also support the podcast by sharing it on social media. If you want to post about the show on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag ISYWYS for It Sees You When You're Sleeping. And you can tag me if you like. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And my website is philrickaby.com. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts. And make sure you hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow along at the website, itseesyousleeping.com. And stick around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. There are things about the Christmas season that I didn't know. Things I couldn't know. I mean, does does anyone know? <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. I think we've all forgotten. We've forgotten that there is a darkness to the season because we've plastered over it with ideas like goodwill to men and comfort and joy. But scratch the surface just a little. And there's something hungry just right there. Maybe that's why some people don't enjoy the holidays. Maybe somewhere inside them they see the season for what it is. Maybe to them, the rest of us are foolish. I wish I had known. God, do I wish I'd known. If I had known, I would have been more careful. I'm Chris. I'm a dad who loves Christmas. Or I was. Until the fucking elf. This year, the night we put up our Christmas tree was when my daughter, Susan, first asked me to get one of those elf dolls. You know the ones. I wanted to say no. I did say no. Because I thought they were creepy. Those silly felt elves with the wild-eyed smile and the plastic face. And I didn't want all the work that went into it. But kids love the things, apparently, and I learned long ago that what a father wants is no match for childhood conformity. Because all the kids had one, and it wasn't fair that she didn't, or at least that's what she told me. Now any parent is pretty much immune to the not-fairs and the everyone-else-has-ones in a child's life, because 
for a child, anything they disagree with is not fair. And I can guarantee that no matter what they say, not everyone has the thing they're asking for. And kids change their minds all the time about the things they want. I figured that by tomorrow, Susan would have forgotten all about the elf toy. See, the idea of the toy is that the elf is sent to the house by Santa and picked up at the toy store for some reason. And it acts as Santa's spy, watching the child and reporting back to the big man at the end of each day. And I guess that's a wholesome way to prepare our children for the surveillance society of the future or whatever. But that's not the problem. The problem is that it's the parents who have to do the heavy lifting. It's the parents who are supposed to place the toy in different locations around the house for the child to discover in the morning. Now, it would be easy just to leave the toy in simple places to be found, like a bookshelf or in a kitchen cupboard or or in a fit of whimsy in the dishwasher or something. That's the easy bare minimum, and maybe that's what happened when the toy first came out, but kids expect more now. Thanks to a few overachieving parents, kids now expect to find their elf engaged in hijinks, in the act of wild adventures. Because the story is that at night, when everyone is asleep, the elf comes to life to report back to Santa. And then it comes back home, and its mischievous nature takes over, and it gets into trouble. And in the morning, when the child lays eyes on the thing, it is turned back into an inanimate toy. But I didn't want to commit to elaborate hijinks. Not even for Susan. It's just Susan and me. It's been just Susan and me for a long time. Her mother... Well, her mother isn't here. She's... Well, she's gone. And I don't have much more to say about that. I've always loved Christmas, though. Of course, I loved it as a kid. Most children do. But I continued to love it long after childhood ended. It was more than just the presents. To me, there was something special about the season. Maybe it was the lights and the decorations. Maybe it was re-watching all those Christmas TV specials I remembered as a kid. And maybe presents did play a small part. But whatever the reason... My heart just felt full at Christmas. And I wanted that for Susan, too, because she's been through enough. And and I wanted the season to be as special for her as it was for me. That's why I first started telling her stories at Christmas. Because she deserved some magic in her life. And that's what I wanted to give her. Have you ever watched your child sleep? If you're a parent, you know you've done it. You've crept softly into your child's room and just stood there watching them sleep. And you've felt your heart fill with a love you never thought possible. A love that tells you that you would do anything for your child. You would climb mountains, swim across oceans, fight monsters. Anything. 
I hadn't watched Susan sleep since she was a baby. When she was a baby, I'd catch her mother standing over the crib, just watching her. And I'd send her off to bed because she'd missed enough sleep getting up with the baby. And then I'd be about to follow behind and I'd look at little baby Susan sleeping there and I'd get sucked into watching her, just watching her little lungs fill with air, her little brow furrow as she dreamt of whatever it is that babies dream about. She was this wondrous thing, this this beautiful thing that her mother and I made together. Eventually, the wonder wore off, and her mother and I both watched her sleep less and less until we stopped altogether. After a while, rest is more important than wonder. And then her mother died, and I was a wreck. During the day, I did my best to be strong and be there for Susan, but at night, after she went to sleep, I would just fall apart. Everything I had, I put into keeping Susan safe and fed and taken care of, and then, in the quiet of the night, I had nothing left. I couldn't see anything good in the world, and other than Susan, I didn't know what I had to live for. But Susan was enough. Susan was everything. And if it wasn't for her, I don't know what would have happened. And I started going to her room to watch her sleep again. And that was what gave me the fuel to keep going, to be able to go to bed, sleep, and wake up and take care of her the next day. And after a while, it gave me the fuel to actually get some therapy. Which is what really helped, so that after a while, I didn't need to watch my daughter sleep to feel okay. The day after we put up the tree, Susan asked again about the elf. Oh, I don't know, honey, I told her. I really didn't want to go through all the effort of managing the elves' nocturnal hijinks night after night. Susan asked how Santa would know that she'd been good. Well, because he always does, I told her. He always has. He doesn't need an elf to do that work for him. And she reminded me that I had said that he had an elf to do that for him. And she had me. I told Susan stories about Santa Claus. It was part of my desire to make the season special for her. And if I'm honest, I was pretty good at making up stories on the spot. It all started because she was curious. She wanted to know how Santa did what he did, how he lived at the North Pole and how his operation worked. This is how I first told her about the elf that would come and look in on her. I'd forgotten it, but as soon as she mentioned it, I remembered everything. 
I'd made up a story about seeing an elf leaving our house early one morning, confronting him, and finding out that he was the elf assigned to Susan and determining whether she was good or not. I don't remember if I gave him a name. I loved telling her these stories and she loved hearing them and she had lots of questions. In late November, when Santa started appearing at the mall or on TV, the questions would start, and I would come up with answers by telling her stories, and the more stories I told, the more she wanted. So I told her this story about the elf that checked in to see if she'd been good. I'd forgotten all about it, and she hadn't. So I bought the fucking doll. And that was part one of It Sees You When You're Sleeping. Part two is coming next week. Some of the music from this episode were excerpts from We Wish You a Merry Christmas, Bittersweet, and Jingle Bells by Kevin McLeod. All three were released under a Creative Commons attribution license. Some sound effects in this episode were from Zapspot.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.